Hey, this is Felix Liu of Felix Comic Art. I'm a huge fan of 11 O'Clock Comics, and you're listening to the 11 O'Clock Comics Podcast. My man. <laughs> That was just perfect. That was it? Nice. There wasn't a flaw. A single flaw. It was so good. Thanksgiving miracle. Right. It's anticipation for what you're going to be uh, eating I like it. (laughs) I heard what you did there. Yeah, I can't get away from that movie. I don't love it, but I must because it, it pops up in my mind at least once a week. I don't know why. I love the soundtrack, though. But the movie, I mean... It could have been done a little better in some spots, but that's just being picky you, right? I guess I do it, love it. Well, for anybody who may not be aware of what movie you're referring to... I'm talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I actually... The first time, and I think the only time in its entirety I saw it, was actually the way you're supposed to see it. I, I, I went with my... My friend in high school at the time, my best friend, his sister, and her boyfriend at the time, they would go Fridays at midnight and and act it out. So they dressed the part. Yep. And um and they took me along once, and yeah. I was completely blown away. Right. And I just I can't watch it now. Like even if I see clips of it, or if I see Tim Curry, and 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 I just and I like okay, you know, it's cool, it's on TV, and and I still, you know, I. Whenever Baldwin Blitz is on, I blast it, and, and there's just certain things where I'm, I'm like, okay, no, this is cool, but nothing will ever, ever take right. the place of, of me seeing it the way they did it. Exactly. That's that's where I saw it as well, on a, a, a Friday night midnight movie, and um, I'm old, so I can I have a laundry list of movies I first saw on the midnight circuit, um, the best of which was I saw Dawn of the Dead. Oh, as a midnight movie, the the year it was released, and I was, yeah, I was I was giddy. I saw Eraserhead. Um, I still haven't seen that. Oh, dude! I know, on. I know, I know. I have no excuse. Uh, Phantom of the Paradise was a midnight movie. A uh, bunch. I mean, we used to go. We never missed it. And then after high school, you know, people split up and go their separate yeah. ways, and it, it's just not as fun to go without the people you experienced it with previously. So that fell away. But yeah, seeing Rocky Horror in the theater with a bunch of crazy um, inebriated or drug-addled people is exactly the way to see it. Yeah. And bring, bring toast. Bring lots yes. of Yes. Yep. Hey, everybody. Hey. It's a, hi. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 575. Yeah. Another chill episode. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. And it's been it's been so long. It's been days. <laughs> I am David A. Price. Yes. Jason is still on assignment in Yugoslavia. Bora Bora this time? No, Yugoslavia. Oh. Yes, he's working on that thing that we can't talk about. <laughs> Not yet anyway. Not yet. But uh, I'm sure he'll It'll come. It'll be through. huge though when it finds out when, when you all find out what it is. Yes. We miss him. It's definitely not the same dynamic, but uh, this is a different OG dynamic, because for those of you who don't know, David and I did this before Jason was born. And um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we were uh, two heads of the Bullpen Bulletins podcast, and we had a lot of fun, and we experimented, and we did some crazy things, um, and it was all fun, but that was the stepping stone that led to this, so that needed to be done. Yeah, everything yes. had to happen for this to happen. It's for true. For to, to enjoy this, for us to appreciate this and, and appreciate you fine folks, and yeah, no, it, it's... Yeah. Nothing would be. I, I wouldn't trade anything. I wouldn't have changed anything. It. It. Every. I. Every, whether you are a fan of the phrase or not, everything happens for a reason, and mm-hmm. that that's not as ridiculous as it's always the last place you look. Well, of course it is. Why would you keep looking after you found it? But it's just <laughs> there are. Uh, it's you know yes, everything happens for a reason, and and I truly believe that um, we had to do that. Yep to get here vince had to be fed up with marvel for him to talk about marvel for two episodes in a row Mm, and make it three well i am we're not i'm not talking about the the one from last week the one on sunday because we talked about you talked about um the black order yes i did Tonight you're talking about something, and I have no idea what you're going to be talking about next week. So, okay. Um, well, I had I had plans. Okay. But um, it's one of those instances where the uh, the creative teams look really good, and all the ducks are in the row, and it's it's it features characters and and things from the Bronze Age that I love a lot, but I I can't feign excitement. And it was, it just fell flat. I'm halfway through the uh, Monsters Unleashed Battle Zone book. And it, it has all the dot MU issues. Uh, Avenger, okay. Avengers number one dot MU and Spidey Deadpool MU. Uh, and it's just not, I mean, there's a lot of good looking comics in that book. But so far, it's just, it's not, uh, it's not, there's no fireworks going off. So, okay. Yeah. So I didn't want to bring that to the table and be oh, a, a downer because um, we love comics here. And uh, so go. does Discount Comic Book Service because they let you have them for almost nothing. DCBService.com can get you your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a small portion of what everybody else is paying. The list of specials, as I said, are up and they are many, but I've whittled it down to three. The first of which being Jesus Freak from Image Comics. Joe Casey, Benjamin Mara. Are, yeah, it's psychedelic. Well, it's Mara, right? And right. Uh, it's a seventeen ninety nine hardcover. But you don't have to pee in the in the toilet to get this for eight ninety nine. <laughs> All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service. Uh, Turok. <laughs> I'm peeing, bitches. Uh, <laughs> Turok number one is coming from Dynamite, written by Ron Mars with art by Roberto Castro. If you've been paying attention to Red Sonia, you know that Mr. Castro is an amazing talent. And uh, Ron Mars has been doing it a long time, so I expect very good things from this go-around with Turok. Cover price three ninety nine, your price $1.99. And in the uh, Constantine mold, we have Weird. W-Y-R-D, number one, from Dark Horse, written by Kurt Pyers. Art is uh, done by Antonio Fusso, and it is a uh, strange detective uh, case thing, which looks very good. 
$3.99 cover price. You can see preview pages in this month's uh, Diamond Previews. You can have this sucker for $1.99. 50% off everything that I talked about. I, I'm a little surprised not, not, not to derail you. Um, Please do. I like derailing. As I was, as I was finishing cobbling together um, in this month's previews the items that I will be um, highlighting or recommending in my previews video, um, there were a couple of things that I'm surprised you you well I don't want to say surprised obviously these three items that you have mm-hmm. selected um, are of note and 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 should be mentioned I was just I was a little I guess taken aback as a word is uh, a phrase to that some other things might not have been selected yeah in. you're talking about the Topi book right. I am talking about the Toby book for one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you tend not to really go for the... I mean, yes, the Jesus Freak is a hardcover, but it's also Benjamin Mara. Whereas that's, this that's is, why it's in there. Yeah, and, and, but Whereas this is a volume one. So it's it's the, the, the Toby book is is one of, of we'll say... Maybe many. Uh, we don't know. Right. You know. It's, it's um, also deliriously good he's a phenomenal illustrator but personally i don't know how much staying power that has in my library yes it's gorgeous um and it's you know it's hey it's beautifully rendered but benjamin mara is going to get a reread and joe casey's going to get a reread The, the topi would probably just go on the shelf and just stay there and and uh, never yeah, get pulled off I, again. I can, yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't think that that's a. Um, In fact, a I shock. Did, I didn't even order it for that for those very reasons. Wow. Okay. I, I, I would. Right. I would. I'll definitely page through Jason's copy. Are you ordering it? I'm. I haven't made my order yet, so we'll see if it makes the cut. But it. I don't know what 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 DCVS has it discounted for. It's twelve and change. Ooh, yeah. hardcover. Damn, it's half, that's it, very fucking tempting. I know it's half price. So I mean, it, it it would fit. I could add it to my order right now, but I there's just I ordered. See, I'm I'm playing catch up with Jason Aaron. So I or, I ordered <laughs> the foreshadowing. Yes, I ordered the uh, his Ghost Rider Volume One. Oh my God! Right, which contains I think like thirteen or fourteen issues for seventeen bucks. That. Someone should have talked about it. Stop. Um, <laughs> and I ordered the Thor Volume Three, which finishes up the Jane Foster run. I ordered Black Panther. Like, there's I'm ordering a decent amount of Marvel in trade now, just because. Um, I I think three ninety nine is a little bit too much for a single issue. Sure, it's much more manageable when you can get the Black Panther trade, which collects five issues for eight ninety nine. I mean, that's a right. no brainer, right? And and you know me and Acuna. I do. I just I do. I, I cannot get enough of his stuff. So that's why. Um, if so, if you want. To get your comics cheap, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. Where do you go? Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. That's DCBService.com. Go. Sorry. I had to cap it off. It felt like the end no, the, the end parenthesis wasn't we were, there. 
you know? Well, because, um, well, the Topi was one, but the, um, the, the two Star Trek little golden books. What? Were, uh, I right down page 306. Golden books. The I little did. golden books, like, like, like the pokey little puppy. There are Star Trek versions. I am Captain Kirk. I am Mr. Spock. Can you right say there on page three hundred six? Stop. Uh, under golden books, they're actual golden books. Can you twenty-four s- pages for four ninety-nine? Can you say "pokey little puppy" again? Pokey little puppy. Come on, man. That that has near and dear to my heart. I don't. It's and I'm sure many you know, a, a, other people my age maybe, but that's there's something about that book that the the art in that book that cover, and and I I cannot tell you how many times I may have read that damn thing wow. or that it was read to me. But, um, so what's the discount after discount on those Star Trek golden books? I don't know. They're four ninety nine. So I, again, so I they should be like a site. three something, right? Uh, two something. You said three, two, three. I was thinking three something. Uh, it's probably yeah, yeah, like 25% off. Yeah. I'll look into it. Um, but yeah. And, and I mean, there were a couple things that I'm going to mention in my, Oh, and there was the other thing from IDW. The, um, cause, uh, blah, 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 blah. What's this? Um, Joe Staten is drawing it. It's, yes, uh, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. So that, that may, that's, that's going to be on the order. We'll see if it makes it to the final resting place. But it's, it's, um, I never read the, I, I, I've never read it before. So cool. Well, but yeah, I'm looking forward to doing my video. There is a, a an embarrassment of, of riches at Discount Comic Book Service. And if you'd like to see some of the stuff that we order every month, but don't usually get around to talking to about <laughs> to about sure. on the show, you can just hop on to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 110-C-L-O-C-K-C-O-M-I-C-S. That's 11 o'clock comics with the 1-1. One, one. And we do these preview videos. Where we'll detail, you know, the highs, not the usual stuff, because everybody knows we're going to get Savage Dragon and right. Gold. Well, for me, and Gold Digger and the right. the the, uh, the new age of hero stuff from DC. Right? That's those are a given. But the things that stick out, like those rusty nails, we'll talk about them and say, "Hey, you might have missed this, but this looks really good, and this is what we're getting." So, and. Um, if you're a patron, you could see these things each and every month. We run for about Jason usually runs the longest because he Ooh, orders. Remember, shy Jason? Yeah, yeah, he orders. Yeah, he'll, he'll t- he takes videos of him turning the pages in the previous <laughs> book. Riveting. Like I, I, one of these days when he gets his previews, I'm gonna draw a dick on a page <laughs> and see if he actually gets to it. But anyway, um, David and I are not camera shy, and we will face Sadly. you like real men. So, <laughs> yes. Yes, the way Patreon was intended, and and it's, right, and yeah, it it they're definitely the items as as Vince said. You know, you're not, I'm not gonna, you're not gonna see the page from the DC previews of Deathstroke. You're not gonna see the page of of from Marvel previews of Black Panther because those are those are givens. You're going to see from you see some of the other things like you might see Young Justice tonight. You might see um, or when it's posted, you might, um, but you'll see some of the. The, the things from Dark Horse or IDW, um, yeah. But for me, it's it's it, these are everything I'm sharing, everything I'm I'm talking about, suggesting, recommending, are things that are 
are, are things that I would be ordering. And if, if they don't, it's just because of where the budget falls, but they are definitely, right. I'm not, I'm not saying, Hey, I know this person or, Hey, this looks cool. You should read it and tell me how it is. I, uh, <laughs> I'm only going, you know, I, I wouldn't have anybody do something that I wouldn't do. So, right, right. um, you should definitely, and, and yeah, so if, if you're at that level and above, um, you definitely, uh, can take advantage of, of watching those videos. They, they are a lot of fun. One of us does them quickly and then berates the other two into making sure that they're done before the end of the month. Yep. And, and um, you know, it's, it's all good fun. And, um, it you know, it, it also, it, it makes sure, and I'm, I'm glad we do it because since I tend to drag my feet and I never get my order done before the middle of the month, going through previews ahead of time so that I can prepare my video, make sure that I know what it is I need to order. And then I generally order shortly after after I do the video. So, um, it's, it's win-win all around. And, and, and I make a lot of faces and a lot of noises in mine. Well, you also have the, the, the spooky man cave basement. Yes. (laughs) With the drawing table and and the severed heads in the background. Yeah. And, uh, usually mine is accompanied by some type of music. Cause I, I just can't be down here without music. No, I understand. I, I usually, Mine's usually quiet. Um, it will be in the. I'll be recording it in the comic room. Unfortunately, it's just the walls are are bare, barren, and um, there's a light behind me, so there might be some some angelic halo effect. I haven't as, actually as, the video as there yet. should be. There as should there be. should be. Yeah. Um, so you want to Patreon? Right. Since, since we'll just um, we do have a shout out. Oh yes. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez is the uh, newest patron at the um, at, at at this wonderful level. So thank you so very much, Anthony. Thanks for joining us, and um, we hope uh, you have some fun checking out what it is we have to uh, offer. Yes, and if you are a Patreon, and uh, we have a new tier, it's the Get a Hug at the Con tier. That's oh, all. Nice. Yeah, all patrons get a hug at the con tier. If you come up to us at at a con, we hug anyway. But if you want another one, you just say, "Hey, I'm a patron." It's like, oh, I'll give you a big old man hug and maybe a couple squeezes, if on top of it. So, um, drink roll call. We're we're yes, we're, yes. Um, I'll go first because mine is not fun. It's the same um, same as last time, um, with a little twist. I am drinking the last bottle of Perpetual IPA, but I also am drinking, um, kicking it with the Troganator from from oh. Trogues. Yes, I do love Trogues. I um, I was gonna say I thought of you, but that's that's a given. I I thought of you at the bar this at the pub this evening because I was tempted while waiting for my dinner, um, waiting for our dinner. I was tempted to have an IPA. I think it was Goose Island. But oh, that's I, good stuff. Yeah, I'll have it next time, though. I promise. But you I, don't, um, you I don't usually like IPAs, though. I don't, which is why. But I, I don't usually drink beer, and um, this is both a a blessing and a curse. Being so close to this to this restaurant um, is that while I walk, away, I if I and I forgot again tonight to ask for a menu. Um, but if I were to call and then I walked over to pick it up, I wouldn't be hanging out at the bar. Um, 
You could still do you know, that, like, though. I could still. Um, yeah. But then the food will get cold as it's sitting there on the bar with me. But So I walk over and I order. And while I'm there, the bartender, of course, she asked me if there's anything. And I don't want to just be the guy standing there. So I'm like, yeah, I'll have. And um, I've probably had more beer the past two weeks than I've had in the past three cons you've wow. seen me at. Wow. It's it's and I mean just great that it's just one beer while I'm here, but still it's just it's. Uh, but tonight I had a Guinness Blonde, hmm. and since I don't I don't particularly care for Guinness at all, the Blonde isn't too bad. Yeah, I'm not a huge Guinness fan. I mean, I I'll I I'll like drink it, that. but yeah, it it's 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 better than Miller Lite. True. Yeah, I am tempted to try this um this this Budweiser um from the Jim Beam barrels, but. Uh, it's still Budweiser, but the, um, but no, I will definitely try the, the Goose Island next time. There's, um, I give it, um, pretty high accolades. It's a good, good IPA. Okay. Yeah. And it's on, it's on tap. So it's, it's oh, it's, geez, I'm coming over. Uh, dude. Yeah. I'm coming, got, it, coming down. You have plenty of room here. Maybe sleep in there for a while. It's okay. Um, <laughs> what are you drinking? She ain't going to kick you out. Oh, uh, I am thankful for uh, Mato Backbone, their 2014 Cabernet Sauvignon. It's an old standby. It's very, very tasty. It's not. Um, it it shouldn't uh, give me any problems or um, issues after uh, having a beer a couple hours ago. I'm not one to really mix my alcohol. But. Right. Well, keyword thankful. I have a thank you. Uh, a person, and I say person because I don't know the, the real identity of uh, this individual. He goes, or he or she goes by uh, 322. It says, best of luck, 322. That could be a code for something, I don't know. But uh, I shall call this person 322 in lieu of, of their knowing their true identity. But they hooked me up. With some some coffee, nice. Some very Nothing very wrong with coffee. no. Some very very special coffee. Seriously. And yes. And um, after after opening the box, the yeah. kind of coffee you should share with your friends. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> it 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 spoke to the things that I love. This person obviously knows me and listens to the show and knows what I like. And this, I, I couldn't, I couldn't thank this person enough because this coffee is delicious and it's, it's exactly me. And I got to say, thank you. Thanks for the coffee, my friend. Cause I love coffee. I can't yes. get enough coffee. Thank you, brother or sister. Love you much. So, it's the time to talk about the comics, Mr. Price. Yes, it is. I think we should tag going in. Okay. Because that's the thing we like to do here. We do. We do. And especially when things are um, worthy of being <laughs> tagged. My and I, you know, we, we, we teased it and um, we teased it last week and, and, and we missed the boat. More or less, because it wasn't part of our... Um, right, it came out two weeks ago, didn't it? First issue. Yeah. Uh, 
Yes. I think so. Cause yes. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, cause we didn't talk about it in our first issue special last time, but, right. um, I was intrigued because when I saw it in the DC previews, I remember the Electric Warrior comic. Yes, from from back in the day, from from the late eighties, early nineties, and um, yeah, yeah, with with uh, Jim Bakey right on covers yes. on, on on art. Yeah, I have them all. Nice. I have it the did, first it, issue. I remember the first issue. It didn't last long. What thirteen no, issues? Twelve, thirteen issues around there, maybe. Uh, so um, I wasn't sure if. There was any connection to this new title, Electric Warriors, to, <laughs> uh, the, uh, I, the, to reason, the original. The reason why I'm giggling is, is like you're wondering if this book has any ties to the original Electric Warrior series, when in fact this book has tire, ties to the entire DC like friggin' DC universe. universe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like we're going to call it this, but it could just be, you know, the future of the DC universe, part one. Yeah. Um, and it's um, it it completely blew me away. I had no idea what to expect. Same. And, and it, it just it, I turn every page, and and there's almost like a little, there's a little gem on almost every page. Yep. That yep. that that makes me giggle or squirm because it just it 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 is so um, it I don't want to say bows, but it 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 acknowledges. Because this is set in the future, it, it acknowledges everything that came before. It it does it as Vince just said. It it it's basically a future story of of this wouldn't exist without the DC universe. Everything that 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 these characters say or do uh, or reference or is mentioned, it it's there's something in it that you will connect to something, whether it's from. 40 years ago or two years ago, there's something in here that, that will just, this, this is all up in the DC, but it's not a book that easily gives up its many secrets though. You have to read this thing twice. Yeah, you do. And I, I I did read it for the second time today and, and there were things that I caught that I didn't catch the first time. Um, but I just, I, it's, Man, well, let's, kudos to Steve Orlando and Travel Form and right. and, and I'm just going to say, colors. let's let's lay it all out. It's Electric let's Warriors say. number one, round one, a far better thing. Yes, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated as David said by Travel Foreman. Which at this point, you're thinking you're listening to the Travel Foreman show because it, see, we missed the boat of 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 uh, Foreman Arama, right? Which is sad. But to be featured on an episode two twice in a row, that's not a bad thing, right? Okay. Um, color art by is by Hi-Fi, and um, it's a Electric Warriors number one is a book that is firmly lodged in a continuity that is my all-time favorite DC continuity, and that is Commandy. The great, on the first page. the great disaster is front and center in this book. Um, if you are um, experienced in the the narrative of Commandy, you know of Doctor Michael Grant, the uh, scientist who was messing around with a uh, substance called cortexin, 
and he was experimenting on animals. And in the, the wake of the great disaster and all the radiation that was released, the radiation did things in combination with the cortexin that produced the intelligent speaking animals of Commandy's Earth AD. And that's where this book it takes that continuity and runs with it. There was, uh, as you know, in um, if you've read Commandy, humans as in Planet of the Apes, were looked at as animals and slaves and beasts of burden. And they were bought and sold and traded. And I mean, just like, um, unfortunately, the the slaves of uh, pre-Civil War, you know, United States. And um, there's something that happened along the way called the Personhood Accords, where humans were given their freedom. And, and they wear little seals to commemorate that fact. They wear the seal of freedom around their, their necks. Um, there's still grudges held, though, because when the book opens, there is a, a lion, man. It's, it's a, an anthropomorphic lion. Now, I'm not, I'm, so think Commandy so I don't have to say anthropomorphic. There, there's a lion who is, is, he has a bone to pick with someone called Oscar Navarro. And, and Oscar is Earth's chosen human to participate, to, to receive the, the electric seed and become the electric warrior in um, – see, now this is where it gets a little, a little complex. It, the book features the Gildishpan, who if you're a DC reader, you know who the Gildishpan are. Um, they have created something called the Great Compromise, where they have a bunch of different races, the Kuns, uh, the Dominion, Earth, and what's the other one? There's a page that just shows all of the par participants in the, the, uh, the Covenant, and it shows, I'm trying to find it here. But one is, the, I mean, it's the Dominator, the Dominators are involved, the Dominion, uh, the Coons, Earth, and, well, when I get to it, we'll find it, and, and, and others. And um, they, it's, 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 in a sense, gladiatorial combat in this planet called Covenant. So it's neat that, you know, it's a contract, it's a covenant between all these worlds to stave off war for the sake of this sport, I mean, it's not a revolutionary concept, but the way it's it's couched in all this continuity, you would think it is, right? Um, that's why I say you have to read this issue twice, because there's a lot of stuff going on here. But the human is not Oscar Navarro. It's not the chosen one. It's his brother, his older brother, who um, who's very different than uh, Oscar. Oscar's more, um, he's a traditionalist. He, he walks the line. Um, he's, he's very beholden to authority and tradition and, and stuff like that. Whereas his, his brother, Ian, is, is none of that. He's a scrapper. He questions everything. He, um, does not believe in the, the, uh, the aspects of society that's foisted upon these people, like humans should do this and animals do this. And, and uh, well, he's, he's a free thinker, so to speak. 
and he pays for it. Uh, he gets his ass kicked by this lion, and he, he goes to um, uh, a friend, uh, a doctor friend, and uh, Dr. Dartmouth, and she stitches him up, and they're, they're talking, but um, on the way to being stitched up, and this made me giggle out loud, there's a, a woman um, preparing fish, sushi, at this this open air um, food stand. It's a, it's actually it's, it's actually a car. a car. Yeah, it's right. a it's a car converted into a, a a food stand, and it's called Happy Fin. But what she's actually serving is Joker fish. It's bliss fish. Yeah, but she's, it she's, looks just like the Marshall Rogers. Yeah. Joker fish. Yeah. And and they it's it's not an offhand thing. This has been planned because there's a panel where there's a really tight shot of her cutting she's making sashimi and she's mm-hmm. she's cutting the head off and it's a freaking joker fish and she's yeah. discarding the heads into a bucket that says oh, what's that bucket say? It says homage on the side of it. I mean that just that's gold, right? That just made me my heart was like, "Oh my god, this is it when you can give the past a big old hug like this and it didn't it, it, they didn't go out of their way, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's done so effortlessly and easily, but it just this is a thing that makes us old timers giddy. It doesn't add to the narrative per se, but it adds to the overall experience immeasurably. It's something Great. very small, but it's very fun. Um, and uh, it doesn't seem like the home life of the Navarros is is all that great because, I mean, Ian obviously loves his brother Oscar and he doesn't want to see him go to this, this dangerous um, covenant place where he could possibly be killed. For what? You're fighting for something that, you know, well, he... Um, he doesn't believe in it, but Oscar certainly does. And um, behind the scenes, the the brother, Ian, manipulates events where he has his brother cold-cocked. He's knocked out. And he, it's Ian, that takes his brother's place and goes and gets the electrogenesis which is the process where you, they receive the the electric seed and it makes them it transforms them into electric warriors so ian takes his brother's place because he doesn't want to see his brother hurt he loves his brother he also doesn't want to he wants to stir up shit is what he wants to do so that's the one narrative then there's another narrative with these uh, the kana of the octopus tribe who has never seen sunlight ever this this tribe exists so far beneath the water that sunlight is alien to them and they communicate by body color it's amazing how um how well realized this is in the book and and she's she's very thankful for being given this opportunity to to be the the electric warrior see that's the thing each planet is allowed one electric warrior but because earth is different they've been given two and much is made uh, this this kana is the champion for the animals or the an animen 
and the uh, Ian is the champion for the humans. So the the the, the plot thickens, right? You have two uh, races of beings that are already strained in relation, and now they're both fighting for the same planet. It's it's very cool, very cool narrative. But um, after receiving the electrogenesis process, Ian is given the Earth's most treasured artifact. I couldn't believe it. This this made it for because it was mentioned earlier when Connor was talking, but to actually then then see it and presented i was just like this i i'm all in for all six issues yeah same oh good god same um so this this artifact that he's given is called the shroud of kal-el and it's it's not a shroud brother it's superman's cape <laughs> goddamn cape which is oh. lodged firmly in commandy continuity superman's cape makes an appearance Midway through Kirby's run on Commandy. It's something that is fought for and it's 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 a it's a almost a holy relic that others to which others aspire. I mean, it's everything Superman is in current continuity. Uh, obviously he's dead in in this um if you ignore the the Tom Veach uh Commandy at Earth's End. Um he he's he's not superman's not alive in this continuity anymore but the remnants of his existence is still looked upon as um a, an object of worship so they give this to ian and uh he wears it in battle we haven't seen any battle yet when this issue ends um someone and i i won't spoil it because um oh here we go it's the coons the Vrang fleet, the Dominion, and Earth. Those are the ones that are participating in the, the Covenant war grounds initially. I don't know if there's going to be more, because there's more than that, more races than that in the universe. Like we have the Spider Guild, and I mean, there's, there's tons more, right? But um, as, as the issue ends, someone's saying, you know, if they only listen to me... You know, a lot of this wouldn't would never happened, and and the person that's doing the talking, I won't reveal it, but it's another, it's another being from DC continuity that you will definitely recognize. Yeah, well, especially since he announces the, the character announces his name, but right, it makes sense that um, the character would still sure yeah. be alive and in air quotes well, right, this far into the future. Yes, it's very cool. This issue, as David said, I, I didn't, um, I didn't have a lot of foreknowledge of what was going to go on in this thing. I didn't read the solicit. I probably just paged through it, uh, past it, and uh, but holy hell, am I glad I read this because seriously, it's it just speaks to to the 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 Bronze Age fan in me. It's I mean I'm I love Commandy and it's all Commandy even makes an appearance on page one. It's not. It's not blatant. It's. It's just suggested. But the person that Commandy's having an altercation with is definitely from from uh, Kirby continuity. So I mean, it's like yes, this is this is my book. 
it's our the, book. The only it is, it definitely is. Um, and this isn't this isn't something I say too often, and I don't say it lightly, and and it's not a slight uh, towards Travel Foreman. But this this is a comic where the story is the star for me. I want to see where Steve Orlando is going with this. With the, I mean, yes, I mean, Foreman is is definitely showing us the story and his style is fitting and and I definitely appreciate the lines on the paper and 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 how the story is visualized but whatever Orlando is plotting and and however he is planning to continue this story while reminding us about past DC instances um that it's it's a good team up i don't want to call it a marriage it's 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 a good it's a good collaboration but uh um this is one of those instances where i'm i'm all in because i want to see what steve orlando has planned for this and um and that and 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 that's i'm not the, the the scene at the navarro home where mom does something that you really shouldn't do by leaving nobody nobody puts the handle of the pan over a burner on the stove i'm it's, sorry it's, it's not just, it's not over the burner it's dude it's that it just, should be it should be off to the side it shouldn't be anywhere over the rest of the range yes but if what i'm saying you're looking at that countertop in perspective so, uh, yes, and you, I know it's 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 angled so it's not over the burner that right. is to its left or the one behind it, but it's still it's still inverted into it's not off to the side where there's no burner anywhere. You don't do that, is what I'm saying. Well, maybe she's That's left-handed. Mom should, but mom, mom obviously has other things on her mind. I get it. You know, she's she's stressing. It's cool. Why? Why would you fixate on that pan? That's I'm just saying, so weird. It's just, it's just what I'm like. Because I look at the, I well, look at the art. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty cool faucet. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck's going on with the stove? Oh, I mean, no, by the same but token, it's who has one orange? You know, if you if you're gonna <laughs> hang fruit in your kitchen, why just hang one orange? Why not just eat oh, baby. it? She just well, that's what she. It, it, it's it's what she just. <laughs> may, may, maybe the others, because there's three of them at the table. Maybe the fourth one was going to be for their father. Well, who an, wasn't coming for dinner. So. An, another visual cue that you may have found more enjoyment in was when Kana is doing her meditation in preparation for the electrogenesis process. She's somewhat in the lotus position. And her tentacles are all flowing, and there's this swirling thing in front of her with a a sun-like structure in the middle, and it's surrounded by three icons. And one is the 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 House of L shield. One is Wonder Woman's um, yep. W or the chevron type thing, and another is the bat. Bruce, uh, Batman's mm-hmm. bat, and it's 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 odd, and it, and it raises many questions. The shield and Wonder Woman's um, icons are white, and the black and the bat is black, which yeah. lends me to believe that the bat is activated somehow. Why would that? I mean, yes, the the bat would be black, but Superman's shield wouldn't be white. Right, 
So it, it looks like it, it just lo- light and day or night and day. Well, maybe, but it just looks off that the the bat is highlighted yeah. in black or gray in this case, um, as if like it was depressed or selected or activated somehow. It's like some there may be a bat element to this um, character where uh, something within. Her race's history is tied to Bruce Wayne somehow, or or the Batman somehow. I don't know. See, it's it, funny you said you said races, but because of how she presents herself in this issue, I kind of heard racist oh, because she no. does she does look down on humans big time. Oh sure, yes. So, uh, um, but no, yes, you definitely said you know whether or not it it, it connects to her. Her racist history, but um, and and it does uh, say that her race enslaved the Atlanteans at at some point, but yes. then but then said, "Hey, what the fuck are we doing?" And they freed them. But uh, she speaks yeah, I, of not, of Cal El too, the mother. Right. Yes. Well, right. The mother does, and and um, because that's that's when we first that's when we first see the name and and um. Because it's it's Superman who um, he's he united Earth and um, basically it's um, he's kind of the reason why things are are why we do things and 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 there's that you know I mean it's you know the the shield is supposed to stand for hope and yeah. um, but she kind of has no problem. Um, talking down to um, to Warcry and um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, they when after the Electrogenesis, they um, they're 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 the Electric Warriors are renamed. Um, Kenna is a Deep Dweller, and Ian is Warcry, and. Um, the uh there he's while they're on their way to um to covenant they're in a little bit of a get to know you phase and and um she lets him know that the light was um this the light on the surface was was a little more than that she could have imagined and and he asked and well don't octopuses talk with their skin and she goes light speakers reserved for loved ones those closest to us i doubt you will ever see it and it's like and just the emphasis on the you and it's just it's it's like this she just has the the biggest stick up and it's just so i before the end of the first issue i kind of know and whether it's right or wrong and and it may change next issue but i kind of already know who i'm rooting for and and who just who i one one these are flawed characters and um ian is trying to do what's best for his family and uh and i get that but it's it's he thinks it's a sacrifice but i don't think it's a um it's obviously it's going to be it it I have a feeling he's going to be enlightened by the whole thing. Whereas I'm sure Connor was going to deep dweller is going to also have a, uh, different perspective when all is said and done. And, 
I'm I'm a part of this whole package and and on top of what already mentioned as to what I'm enjoying about it is is that I'm looking forward to the character growth because these are characters who are I mean their their personalities aren't anything new but uh seeing their story progress is is definitely something I think I'm going to enjoy. Yes. And to further tie it to Commandy, the issue is broken into chapters. Yeah, and that I'm I'm not sure how I feel about uh, Don't. Don't. What? Don't. You got to love it. You no, just... I love the whole chapter. Oh, idea, okay. Because it basically it, it's it's from one scene to the next, and it makes it yes. Because instead of you know instead of meanwhile or you know I, I dig the chapters. I'm not sure if I dig the chapter locations or how they're kind of drawn in into into the panel. Like chapter one, okay, that's cool because it's right there. But then the chapter two is like right there at the top of I love it. Um, the second panel. Chapter three is almost like it, it's. It's like Ian is walking into it, but not in the no, cool, yeah, um, fringe kind of way. Uh, chapter four is not bad. Chapter five is good. Um, <laughs> chapter six ain't bad, you but silly yeah, it, it's just I know. It's, <laughs> but it's just I mean, because everything, because because the way the colors pop and, and how travel has, um, how how there are certain things where it looks like he spent a lot of time on and, and making sure your eyes are focused on what's important. Cause there, there are some panels like when, when Ian is having his, um, sashimi and, um, the chef and the child with her, it's like, they're not, they're not just, faceless blobs but they're just you know yes you know that there are people in the panels i'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time detailing these characters it's just we're just it, your eyes are going to see them and we're going to move on there are definitely panels where foreman really wants you to know that this is what you need to be seeing here um but it just it it when i see things like that and then i see some of the chapters that almost look like they're an afterthought or, or I forgot to do that. Let me add that real quick. And it's just, it's, but I mean, that's, that's a really silly knit on top of this, the, the, this pretty cool. I, I don't think it's a knit. Um, although I do disagree with you completely. Uh, but what that's, are you gonna, that's, that's where we come from. You know what I mean? Like I'm the, you instantly recognize that as a child. Right, you know what I mean. That's where I come from. Like, oh, why, sure. why yeah. go into it as deep as the 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 featured character in this scene? It, there's no need for it, unless that right, because if right above he that, doesn't speak, where, he where doesn't. He's, where he's inter- walking into the feathered coast. I mean, that's Ian. Ian is detailed there. Sure, and, and I mean, you still see where everybody's supposed to be. But yeah, you're right. I mean, no, I mean, it's I mean like, yeah. So who cares that he didn't he, he didn't draw the kneecaps on this kid? It's just right. You know, it's, it's a kid. You do. And but I, that's what I, I was saying. It's like that he he want, That's not you're not supposed to focus on that. Mm-mm. So it's just I need to spend time on what you're supposed to focus on. And I appreciate that. Sure, sure. And I I kind of love the, the chapter heads, but whatever. It's it's <laughs> we we both here. Here's the rub. You focused on Orlando, and and rightly so. It's a great story. But I think Foreman 
did a wonderful job as well. I mean, there are some page layouts yeah, that are just um, he. W- when I look at it, I, I just think, well, he didn't have to go that deep, but he did. Right, that's the thing. And oh, when I okay, and basically, what it comes down to is if we had if we have Jason Fabach or someone else drawing the next issue, I wouldn't be devastated if Foreman didn't continue to draw this series the way I normally would be with, with, you know, making sure that you have somebody doing the entire story, but I would be bent out of shape if Orlando wasn't continuing the story. Uh, I get it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm in the, the other camp. I, I think, sure. I think both pieces, uh, including hi-fi, I think all three pieces are, are crucial to this puzzle. And, um, Long story short, uh, if you haven't read this issue, I'm going to implore you to pick it up for selfish reasons because I want to see this book succeed because I want more of this continuity. It's only the first issue, and already I want I'm, – I'm way past the ending of this six issues. I want more. I want to see follow-ups for this because I think this is one of the better things to come out of DC in a long time. The continuity, I mean, and the vision, the right. whole, the whole package. But to, to use the Commandy storyline as a springboard into future tales of the DC and universe, like, this is, this is money. That's, and, and because this is, as far as I'm concerned, uncharted territory, and, and after the sixth issues, we can see where it goes from there because we, we don't have a Legion book right now. And even Legion was kind of tied into it's a hundred years in the future. And, and it, it was whatever happened in this month's issue of Supergirl or Superman, you know, they'd reference it and, and in the Legion and this though, there's the, all bets are off. You have yeah. the, there, there are no training wheels here and, and, and you're just the Orlando is, is, going by what came before but it's just it's if you're missing the legion and i'm not saying this is a legion replacement because these aren't you know there's no lightning lad there's no there's no cosmic boy yet but there's right but there is it's 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 set in the future and it relies on dc's past so if if you're if you want something that's not so stuck in the present day uh, you should definitely be checking this out. Well, this could very easily be tied to Legion continuity. I, it I would not if, be a stretch. I, I don't know because now it is twenty seven thirty five A.D. So Legion took place a thousand years in the future. Yeah, I said a hundred. Yeah, thousand going right. going so, going by you know sixty yes. Silver Age continuity. So. Yeah. The futures, I mean, the, the date's malleable. So this could be right on the cusp of of the, right, the early this, days this, of the Legion. Right, yeah. We see yeah, Kalu come in, or, or a, a Brainiac, or, or a Kaluan, and it's all bets are off. Like, they could yeah, easily... definitely see this ending, and then we get the, the Legion reboot we've all been waiting for. Well, it's going to happen. I, I just want this book to be on the shelves in a form that people can read 
Um, because all of the, I mean, they're stacking the deck in their favor. You have a Superman tie-in. From mm-hmm. what we've seen in this first issue, we could possibly have a Wonder Woman and a Batman tie-in. You have a Commandy um, thread that runs through this. I mean, this is this is pretty perfect. And then there's a character at the end. So there's no reason why a long time or even a not so seasoned veteran of the DC universe couldn't read this and say, wow, this is pretty cool. I see where all this is going. Let's, what if, you know, um, because of his cybernetic enhancements, what if Cyborg's still around here, you know, in this time or something like they could, this could be a, a very big launch pad for all the characters we love to find a way into this continuity. Well, not all of them, but a good number of them, right? I I, I love this book. One issue, and it's just like, ah. I would, it won't happen, but I would love to see this in hardcover. I want an ongoing. And I'm pissed that I didn't order this in single issue. But I'm not so pissed because I would much rather have, um, I'm going to read this more than once. After it's finished, I'm going to read it again. I want something that I can just walk up to the bookshelf and pull it off, read it, enjoy it. Six months later, I do the same thing. Because this, <laughs> this, is the, this is the kind of book that I would buy at a con, multiple copies of, so I could give it to people. Right, right. Look at this. I, I want you to feel the same joy that I'm feeling after I've read this thing. Because they get it. They, they, it, whenever somebody puts commandy in a DC book, I'm like, all right, uh, there's a kindred spirit. They get it. Meaning, I mean, that when I say they get it, 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 what I'm really saying is they're speaking to me. They're a kin, they're, they're of the same mindset as I. They love that commandy stuff. They know how important it was and how, how, what a vital piece of art commandy is. And they just want to perpetuate that. It's what it's all about. So, so good. Yes. If uh, again, Electric Warriors number one, go get it in some form. Read it, and and uh, we want to hear your comments on on the uh, eleven o'clock comics Facebook group because this book needs to be talked about. I haven't heard anything so far. Sure. Do it. Don't don't let us tell you twice. That wasn't too stern, was it? No, no. <laughs> All right, what do you have? Um, I shoot. Um, I want actually. I want you to go first because I mine mine's okay. going to be a bit of a story. So I like stories, though. All I right, know, I know, All and right. I'll and we'll definitely get to it. I just I. I need a minute to decompress. Okay. A large part of this episode is going to be subtitled Vince Arrives Late to the Party. <laughs> because I have a tendency to overlook things. I have a tendency to prejudge some things from certain companies. Um, and I also read a lot of stuff. So some books fall through the cracks. The first thing I want to talk about is a case of me prejudging something uh, based on the fact that it's Marvel, and it's it's the old um, dog-eared, worn-out story mechanic where you take the main character out and you put you put a stand-in in their place. And in Marvel's case, lately, what they've been doing is they've been taking male 
characters out and inserting female characters in their stead. That smacks to me of cheap tricks and not the the good kind. Um, and I I just tend to to move on. I I I paid no attention to to the Ironheart stuff. Is that's the character that uh, took took over for Tony? Right? Is it Ironheart? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't pay any attention to that, and um, but I, I I should have in this instance because the writer has never let me down, and I and I should have um, read it because it's Jason Aaron, and Aaron always does great thought provoking storylines. So I'm I'm rectifying a past mistake, and I'm buying up all of the Mighty Thor. Which technically, I guess it's volume three at this point, right? Uh, because the the original was volume one. Then you had the the Jurgens and the Jr. stuff, which who who participated in it. That would be volume two. So I'm thinking this run is volume three. Uh. And the new one would be volume four. But regardless of the fact, it's called the Mighty Thor. Uh, book one, let's call it. it. This is volume one, but I don't want to confuse the issue. It's book one, Thunder in Her Veins. And it is the Jane Foster Thor. Now, I don't know how Jane Foster got the hammer. I don't know why the Odin son abandoned or was removed from the position. Yes, and you do. I do? Why? Yes. Because the seer, who was, well, basically the Nick Fury watcher whispered something in Thor's ear and caused him to drop the hammer and no longer be worthy. That and happened that... in original sin. Oh, okay. it's understandable why you wouldn't remember it, but okay. Well, you know what? I like a lot of original sin, the fricking Deadpool, uh, storyline. And then the, uh, the storyline with, um, the man thing and the Frankenstein monster and Howard, the duck, like that's great. The fearsome four, that's great stuff. It's just that all of original sin wasn't that great. But um, so Jane Foster has the hammer. Um, and unfortunately, M- Ms. Foster is is suffering from cancer and she's getting chemotherapy. But the thing is that that when she transforms to Thor, all of the the good good that that is done by this. These these. I don't want to call them terrible, but uh, be- believe me, th- it's not a picnic. Um, all of all of the the curative aspects of the drugs are erased when she goes back to being Jane Foster after having transformed to right. to, to Thor. And it's a conundrum because she she wants to do good. Um, and in this instance, do good and get better. At this, but sure, yeah, but I mean, some you you got a way. Um, do I do I help stem this war of the realms, or do I go get another round of chemo? Like the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one, Mister Star Trek. Was that right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, but Asgardia is in a really sad state. Uh, as this volume opens, uh, the the place is actually on the brink of civil war because Pissy Pants Odin uh, and his mouthpiece, um, Cole Borson, 
have the place on lockdown. It, it, it's 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 basically a, a fascist state. They're, they're, they created these hammer-wielding thunder guards to keep the peace, but what that really means is to enforce their, their wacky will. Uh, and uh, Odin has his wife Freya incarcerated, pending trial. Um, but Freya, being the smart uh, woman that she is, she knows something's not right out there, so she is um, the one being in all of the realms who actually trusts Loki. <laughs> Why, I have no idea. But she, she trusts her son, and she sends him on the mission to infiltrate uh, Malekith's Dark Council. See, Malekith is instigating this this War of the Realms, and uh, when the story opens, there's this Roxon uh, space station, and it's like a weather station, and um, it's bombarded by dead elves, like they're in pieces, and it's pretty disgusting. The the one elf has uh, carved into his chest. So begins the War of the Realms, and you see all these these elves floating in space and they're just battering the the space station through the walls and it's just it's it's horrendous i mean it's horrifying really and the the space station comes hurtling to earth and that's when jane uh in the midst of a round of chemotherapy says mm, i gotta do what i gotta do and she she calls for the hammer and she becomes thor and uh she and the the rest of the avengers manage to um stop this satellite from destroying um washington and uh that's that's where it begins uh, the the rainbow bridge looks like it's been truncated somehow do i know how that happened as well was that when asgardia was transported away from earth initially they they lost the rainbow bridge then i don't remember well uh Heimdall is still doing what he does but uh jane comes to asgardia and as soon as she gets there Cole borson says all right screw this take her in boys and uh Hamdahl, who initially was like i don't want any part of what you got going on because you know i like you but shit's going down here and if 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 i get involved in this it ain't gonna be good and he does get involved and um He's he's again he's incarcerated for his troubles as well, but um, the whole thing is Malekith has has something brewing. He's got plans, and they're not. I'm sure they're not all revealed in this first volume. This feels like a very very big story, and uh, I don't know how far you read, but it it just feels like I'm seeing the 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 tippity top of the iceberg in this. In that, um, there's nothing really decided at the end of this thing. I mean, something happens that stops um, one part of the conflict, but Malekith's machinations are still going on. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm saying it seems like it's a really big storyline. But um, so Malekith has this dark council. And on the council, again, it's it's just it's old time week at uh, Marvel for this book. It seems like Ulick the troll 
is is on it is on the council and what Dauterman has done uh with the beings from uh Mespelheim is amazing they are creepy as af yeah they're all yeah. fiery and and their their necks seem crooked and there's ah, and it's just like uh the one panel where the thing is speaking i can hear it in my head all gods will burn when the queen of cinders blah 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 it's like it it's magnificent what dodderman has done in this book and you wouldn't think I would feel that way because Dodderman is a very, very clean illustrator. I mean, his, I love his Malekith. His lines are it perfect. Of Simonson. Yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't say that, dude. Simon With flowing hair and just I yeah. Mean, I'm not talking about like from the, the longer perspective, but just I haven't the presence. There's yeah, the, the, the Dodderman. I think was a he was. It's weird because I love. Because he does, he does have a nice clean line. Yeah, it's just, and it's people clean. tend to look pretty when he draws them. But it's it's um, it, he made it work. I mean the yeah. the, the orcs and troll. It's just it, it was insane. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. But as I'm initially, so I'm I'm through the first chapter and I get to the end and who pops up but Loki, right? And the thing is that Freya is using Loki as a spy. She's like, get in there, see what's up, pretend, you know, do what you got to do, but I need information. So Loki wants to join the the Dark Council. So Malekith's like, all right, you, you want in? You got to do something for me. I want you to, to just murder Thor. And Loki says... Oh, feel so good to be bad again. So I'm guessing that this is the reverse of when Loki was the Sorcerer Supreme. This is way before that. Oh, this is before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he was Sorcerer Supreme like last earlier this year, late last year. Gotcha. So, I, as as I was saying, I was I was reading this. And I'm like, oh God, Loki looks just like Tom Hiddleston. Like that, he does. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really dislike when the the comics start to mirror the movies. It bugs the shit out of me because I think it should be the inverse. The comics should drive the bus, and the movies should. But whatever. I mean, my my personal feelings are irrelevant in this instance. But so so Loki in this book looks just like Tom Hiddleston. But there's a reason for that. Conceptually, it works because. At one point in the narrative, Loki splits into his various aspects. There's young Loki. There's um, the Loki that we remember from way back. Uh, the instigator to forming the Avengers. That Loki's in here. There's a cat Loki. There's a giant, uh, gi- a giant Loki. There's this. Um, looks like an. Uh, like a war god Loki, he's all he, he's he's decked out in 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 greens, and he's got these withered, twisted horns and a skull uh, helmet. And then there's the the more recent Loki, but there's there's the frost giant, young Loki, and so it's it's okay for me that they used Hiddleston as a model for the Loki that's in this continuity because there's many different aspects of Loki in this. So it plays to the fact that Loki ha- is this 
eternal being that has existed in many different forms. With each Ragnarok, Loki right. changes, right? So it makes perfect sense that the movie Loki would be in this book because that's yet another incarnation of Loki. So it's not, for me, it's not the X-Men wearing black leather. That's not that kind of transgression. It's perfectly fine that this Loki looks like Tom Hiddleston because it makes conceptual sense. Mm -hmm. Right? So, um, but wouldn't you know, uh, Loki's real dad comes back. Um, the Frost Giant. What the hell's his name? Um, La, La Fay. Or is it, is it, it's L-A-U-F-E-Y. So I'm going to say LaFay, right? Daddy returns. And he really wants nothing to do with Loki. It's Laffy. So there we go. Laffy comes back. And probably because of, of Malekith's, um, machinations, like if he's going to, he, he's operating under the guise like he's going to unite all of the the elf tribes but that's really not what he wants and um Luffy's like you're an abomination you're not my son i i really don't like you you're disgusting but i'm gonna test you so uh daddy puts loki to the test and loki's like can we just hug it out it's <laughs> like uh no so he, he has a bunch of frost giants ambush him and loki gets through no problem so daddy's not even impressed. He's like a uh, disgusting piece of shit didn't die. So I guess we have to deal with him. But um into the realm of the uh uh Alfheim, the light elves comes and this is where it gets weird. There are Roxxon tanks rampaging through the realms. So Roxxon is in bed with Malekith. And um, they're just destroying shit. They're they're raising the place, and they have giant muck mammoths made of disgusting uh, stuff, and they they're eyeless and they're just dripping, and it's just wow, it's really good stuff. Um, so th- this this war of the realms is going on. In comes the enchantress, um, but the best issue, I think was issue three the saga of thor and loki you've you've read this issue right yes where loki's like yo um you're not my brother but you are thor you are a thor and i am a loki so i know you're predisposed to think i'm gonna act in a, in a certain manner but i'm telling you i just want to talk i just want to get let, let's just iron this out like let's uh, come on let, let's just you know, people can change, and she's not having it. She just hammers his head right off, and he's like, "Oh God, here we go again." So it—that's when all the different aspects of Loki come in, and it, he eventually assumes the guise of the female Loki, and they start throwing down. Um, they 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 come to blows, and. Thor gets the better of him. And I think it was brilliant the way Aaron did it, where Loki is, he's hit by the hammer, or she is hit by the hammer. And you see underneath the hammer is a snake. The weight of the hammer is holding the snake down. The snake is pissed off. And Loki's like, oh, well, 
I get I guess you got me. But it speaks to the fact that Loki I mean, we know Loki and in the fictional universe of of uh, the Marvel universe, all the characters know Loki's a trickster. I mean, that's what he does. And to expect him to do anything else is anything other than what he normally does is laughable. But this issue actually it 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 had a little bit of 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 pathos in it in that he's got to hate who he is. <laughs> Loki just has to he's got to be disgusted by himself because as the end of this 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 arc bears out that you know we were led to believe that Loki is not he's not on the up and up but there's a slight slight chance that he's doing something solely for mom and he stabs her in the back and I'm not being um metaphorical I'm being literal he mm-hmm. he literally stabs her in the back um, while Thor and Odin are beating the shit out of each other across the entire solar system. I mean, she hits him, and he lands somewhere on the moon of Saturn. Like, it's it's a gigantic distance that she hits him, and they're, they're beating the shit out of each other. I will re- never recognize you as, as the Thor, blah. And she's like, you're an asshat. You're old and fucking fat, and you don't know how to do things anymore, and you're a jerk. Look at, look at Asgardia. You got the place in the shambles because you're an idiot, and you're so stuck on yourself, and you'll never friggin' change. And um, Freya's like, yeah, shame on me for enabling you for so friggin' long. But the fact that the uh, Odin and uh, Cull have the Destroyer in their back pocket, they have a sort of advantage. But that's when the Warriors Three come in, and Lady Sif, and they're like the end. The last chapter of this this arc is just it's constant fighting, constant turmoil, and Malekith somehow. I mean, I mean, I know how he manipulates queen uh elsa into marrying him and he's like yeah let's go talk about this let's let's go have have words and we'll we'll see what comes up and and she she believes that she's negotiating for the lives of her people and actually the enchantress went in beforehand and murdered all of uh elsa's mages so she walks into the chamber and she thinks she sees her mages all around so she's she has a semblance of of confidence that she's not going to get zapped magically and it doesn't happen that way and um Malekith's like you know what we can do you can you can be my wife and and this will be a whole lot easier and she thinks she's doing it to save her realm when after the ceremony almost immediately after the ceremony Malekith has her incarcerated like throw this bitch in in a cell cuz I'm done with her I got what I wanted and and so he's in charge but there's more to this because when this issue ends, um, the Odin son makes an appearance, and and it looks like he's he's being held by something. Uh, see, I don't know because I don't have the the prior knowledge of what came before this. But uh, like I said, it just looks like this is the opening salvo in a much much bigger story. But it's okay because I have the next two volumes. Right. And I will read them. Um, I, I I had so much fun with this, and it just it's it. I was kind of a little bit embarrassed because 
I prejudged. There, there are bats in this ish, in this book who carry Roxxon bombs into war. Like, how friggin' cool is that? <laughs> bats with with these dark elves uh, piloting them, dropping bombs, and it's just I'm I'm an I'm an asshat for not reading this. Um, but to get uh, give Dodderman a couple of uh, big old props. The Art Nouveau is all over the place in this. The way he draws the uh, the ringlets and the undulations in uh, Thor's hair, it's it's just amazing. Yeah. His his costumery uh, is beautiful. Uh, like I said, it's super clean, but that's not a detriment. I, I I think it it works very very well. His enchantress is super sexy. There's just so much to love in in this book that um, I'm fixing I'm fixing that hole so to speak, and I just I thought this was great. Uh, but it's an, another one of those things that if you if you give it a, a go through once, I would suggest you go back and and read it again because there's a lot of subtleties in here that um, I, maybe even after you read the next volume, go back and read this because it seems like. Aaron has a, a a master plan, which it doesn't seem like it, 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 he does. It, but it's just not all revealed in this first volume. It's magnificent, really. Yep. Loved it. Aw. How about that? Love it. I can, ex- I can confess to being um, a bit uh, fickle. And, um, it's how we grow. I know. But I don't grow. I'm I'm always fickle. I no. just I just play catch up a lot. Well, yeah, I do. Better to have loved than lost. Mm-hmm. So now that you've had time to decompress, <sighs> yeah, but now you got me all ramped up for that Thor. Um, hmm. So back a ways um, before you and I ever even met um it was like late 1988 okay early 18 1989 um there was there was a time when when um every summer my brother and i would um visit my grandparents in massachusetts so um which is where i get my quarter more than Jason of Italian from and um, the uh, my brother and I spend our summers there and um, and even before that I mean this was this was the grandfather I would go with to um, the newsstand and I would get comics off the spinner rag and Blade Runner number two or various issues of New Teen Titans and things like that and um one time we went to the mall and I picked up one. I think it was the third. I don't think it was the fourth. I think it was the third printing of the tick number one. And I was, I was hooked because it wasn't, it, it was a parody book. Um, not quite like what Boris the bear would be, but, um, it made fun of uh, 
the superhero genre and and tick was nine vulnerable and um he had ninjas as enemies and of course so did the teenage ninja turtles because thanks to daredevil and um but i any time i saw an issue of the tick i bought it and i never had a first printing of the first issue or the second issue um but every issue from there on out. So I had all 12 at one point and it took forever for these 12 issues to come out. Anybody who was around at the time knows this. It was, I mean, there was, and, and it was a gag because I think there was one issue. I'm not sure. I, I don't remember offhand. It may have been, um, may have been between nine and 10, but there was one issue where tick basically break wakes up. It was, it was issue nine. And, um, Tick basically wakes up from a horrifying nightmare. Arthur bursts into the room, says, what is it? Um, he says, I, I dreamt that I stopped existing for eight months because there was an eight month gap between issues. And, and, you know, so Ben Edlund, the creator, writer, artist of, of the tick, um, he knew that, you know, it, it is one dude. And, and the, the, the book was actually published by new England comics, which is a comic shop, um, around the Boston area. And, and they had, uh, they had stores around New England. Um, but the tick originally was a mascot in the NEC newsletter and then um, had a, a few pages where, 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 he, where he did his thing. And then eventually a comic book was, was produced and um, which had, I don't know, probably less than a dozen printings of the first issue. But they, they basically, NEC wanted to keep the issue in print. If if it sold out and people wanted to read, they wanted to make it available for people to read, and and that's fine and that's great. What I liked about the tick at the time is that it was it was mostly it was almost like golden age size. It wasn't a a traditional modern age size physically size comic book, so it wouldn't fit in your usual the same comic, but that the same bag you tried to jam your your issue of Amazing Spider Man or Justice League of America, and this wasn't fitting in it. Um, so it was it was a substantial comic you felt like you were getting something for your money there um and i spent the few bucks to for the fan club i still have my little my, my, my cool little enamel pen um but this is this is the tick for me it, it's it's the original 12 issues written and mostly drawn by ben edland and and when it comes to the various versions of of whatever volumes NEC is publishing today by whoever, whether it's Cullen Bunn or anybody who wrote it before him. Um, it just doesn't, there's, this is it. And, and, um, I decided to kick back and reread the 12 issues. And, um, there are, there are things that I vividly remember and, and that, happened as if you know th that i remember happening the way they happened and then there are some issues or a few pages where i'm like that that doesn't either it's no longer funny um or it just it was it was silly then and it's still silly um but overall i i seriously enjoyed it and i even i i stuck around for the paul the samurai spinoff i never was really into man eating cow but it, 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 I was 
it, this was just, and it was weird because this was something that I probably would have continued following to the ends of the earth, regardless of who, um, normally, regardless of who would have taken over the character. But there was just something about, which is probably why I never really got into, I probably saw a couple of episodes of the cartoon, but I never saw the Patrick Warburton star TV show. I haven't seen the new series on, on Amazon. Um, there's just something about whether it's where I was at the time when I, when I got hooked on the character and the comic, um, or this is just something that really should exist on the page. There's just something about these particular 12 issues of this comic that just, that, that means something to me. So if, if I can, um, if ever I have the opportunity to find issues, I will definitely um, require them. But there's there was one there's one page in particular which which was a little weird um, because the uh, well there's Tick who is a big tall massive individual um, in all blue. And his sidekick, Arthur, who kind of looks like a moth. Yeah. Um, and the, um, the, the first, the first issue, Tick escapes from a mental institution and, uh, rescues someone from, or saves someone from, um, from ninjas. And, uh, the, um, there's a uh an electra knockoff uh is is uh appears in in the third issue but in the second issue at the end of the first issue um tick is is in the um ends up in the in the subway in the subway tunnel and a uh a person on the platform notices that there's someone in danger and runs to go save him and uh, the train comes knocks them both off the um out of the way and and um it turns out that the person who tried to save him is Clark Oppenheimer who is the cape wonder and and basically your 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 superman knockoff uh so su- not superman and tick fight in the um in the second issue uh third issue we get Electra um there's like I said, there's ninjas involved, and and there's a pretty cool storyline that plays out. In if you want to call it the first arc, um, and then uh, because ninjas are involved, that's how Paul the Samurai gets introduced and um, becomes a character in this universe, and and, and um, gets his uh, his own comic. Um, Tick goes and moves in with. Um, with Arthur. Arthur has an apartment. Um, and there's a, um, it's weird. There's, there's this one page where Tick and, um, and Arthur are having a conversation and I don't, it, because we're all, you know, bore, we're, we're a bit more woke these days. Uh, it's 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 weird because I read this and I was like, huh, 
I don't know based on as 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 people tend to do when they when they mature a bit, but I don't know I don't know if this speaks to Edlin's frame of mind, state of mind when he was writing this story. If this is just the type of character Tick is supposed to be, but but there's the conversation is basically, um, you know, Tick says, uh, you know, I I ask you to be. He's talking to Arthur. He says, you know, I you ask to be my sidekick. You invite me to your apartment, and it's not even. Um, it's uh, he's like you you don't. I don't want to offend you, but you're not, I mean, you're not, you know, funny, are you? And, and Arthur takes a second, he's like, funny, what do you mean? I, no, 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 I mean, I'm not, I'm not funny. It takes like, well, good, because, because I'm not either, you know, superheroes shouldn't be, you know, and then Arthur finishes the sentence saying funny. He goes, yeah, yeah, so, well, we better go drink some beers because, yeah, that's a good idea. And I was like, really? That's okay. I mean, and at the time when I read it back then, as old as I was, I says, okay, yeah, I, I don't know if I really got, but they were, this is before the whole Seinfeld, and there's nothing wrong with the thing, but it was just one of those things where I was like, out of everything as I'm reading in this book, and a lot of it, you know, is making kind of chuckle, and I'm like, yeah, that's silly. But then I get to this, and I was like, wow, all right, that's, that just seemed to kind of stop us in our tracks for some reason. But the the the, the rest of the issue is about the Red Scare, and... Um, yeah, a little weird. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still worlds away from Dave Sim, but it's it's a little Oh, weird. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, as if, you know, we're trying to just prove a point for some reason. But um, the there's a uh, the, 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 there's a bit of a Flash parody. Um, and the tick kind of screws that up because here's this guy who's supposed to... Um, uh, the, the There's a gentleman who... Um, he, he, he calls himself... Um, the uh, damn it, because he's got he's got um, a palm tree swaying in the um, in the wind. He's he's known as the running guy. He calls himself the running guy, and that's that's his um, his 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 logo. Basically, the the shield on his on his chest is is a palm tree, um, because. They don't move, and, and in order for them to be swaying like that, you'd have to be running fast. But he he's paying he's paying to have a a battle with a a bad guy, who in this particular case is is known as the Red Scare. Um, but Tick uh, accidentally walks in. Uh, he's st- the the Red Scare is doing his whole monologue before the running guy shows up, and the Tick catches it and and um, ends up trying to you know just tries to save the day and the running guy finally shows up and the news cameras are with him because he's trying to make him a big deal because he's trying to make a name for himself. And I thought that was pretty neat. Um, but I think, I think Edlund really gets, gets his groove once Arthur and Tick leave the city, get in their car and do this little road trip, which I thought that was hilarious with, with them just going back and forth and, and, and up the interstates and, and tick with the map. And it just seems to be getting larger and unfoldable. And it, it, it was, it was ridiculous. And, and, um, and they finally get to New York where everybody's a superhero and, and nothing, nobody can save anybody. Nobody can, can, can prevent crimes because everybody's a superhero and, and there's nothing going on and everybody's stepping on each other's toes um the chainsaw vigilante was was another pretty nifty character um 
but the big the big thing was um the introduction of chairface chippendale and his uh he wanted to write his name on the moon and um once tick prevents that from happening more or less i don't want to give it away um he uh when while they're in new york there's a guy who's um who also goes by the name of the tick and this tick is basically a batman ripoff and so our tick and new york's tick battle arctic wins not arctic but arctic wins and by law uh now gets to gets a claim on everything that barry new york tick um owns as far as the tick aspect of it he he uh because barry has a mansion and uh so so tick and arthur they don't they, they can't claim the mansion or any of its grounds everything that they get uh belongs whatever's in the tick cave and the tick constantly mangles and destroys barry's equipment um and barry slightly goes crazy and he um he enlists um his arch nemesis to because he figures, okay, if if I can't, I can't kill the tick. I can't, I can't reclaim what's what's mine because I'm a hero. But nothing's stopping me from having my arch enemy killing the tick, making it so that I can become the tick again. And so he sets this devious plan in motion, um, and that's it because <laughs> the 12th issue comes and there, I believe there is an issue 13 not written and drawn by Ben Edlund. I don't know how long after the 12th issue, it finally came out. I don't know how many years ago this was, but um, as far as I'm concerned, this, this story never ended. And, and um, it ends mostly on, I mean, it ends on a, on, on, on a positive note as far as Tick and Arthur, because, you know, Tick finally just, I mean, he's, he's happy. He's, he's a superhero. He's in the city. Um, he has all these gadgets. He has a sidekick. Uh, Arthur seems content and, and, you know, so these are your 12 issues, but, um, as far as Barry's plan and what he wants to do and, and, um, whether or not, you know what, what other adventures Tick ends up going on? We don't know, and it, there's just something I don't. You know, it's it's of all the when I think about some of the things we we've talked about on the show these past ten years, or things that you know might come up from time to time, whether it's you know Batman Grendel or Dark Knight or just just whatever whatever we tend to reread and and and. Um, and remind people of, of things that we enjoy. I know I haven't talked about the tick all that much, but this is just something that is, this is near and dear to me. I, I don't, I don't know what possessed me to, um, reread it, but I'm, I'm glad I did. And, and it's just, um, it, it's, it's weird, man. It, it was just, it, it's not like, and, and what was neat about NEC is that they also, they published 
they reprinted um, EC era, but not EC, but those old pre-code horror and 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 war and and police drama comic cut books and and they just and and um i think they had their own version of a crypt keeper but it it did they and those were thick issues they were like 64 pages and shit but i mean were and, they and, the and so tales too terrible to tell i don't think so because hmm. Bissette was involved with those initially i don't know then definitely not because i don't i don't think he um yeah these are just straight up reprints i think there were i think there was a front page and maybe a back page, but oh. it was, they basically just reprinted the, the public domain. Um, people who weren't good enough to be an EC. Um, so they were, and, Craig, they were Craig Yo before Craig Yo. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they had some of those were on their, um, in their catalog, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I was, I was an NEC fan, even if I'd never got to step foot in the store, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't. It, it was to, and and to see to see Edlin um, grow as an artist and improve because the, the first the first issue. I mean, even I never read the newsletter, but uh, I mean, I saw images as some of the issues showed you. But um, you know, you read the first issue, and it's it's there. The bones are there. You know, he, he, he's he's trying to draw. You know, the tick jumping from roof to roof, and and um, you know, the figure work isn't bad, and and he's top heavy and. Uh, the expressions can do some work, but overall, I mean, it's, it, he could tell the story. Um, the things you can figure out as, as you grow and then, and then you get to the 12th issue and, and it's just, it's to see, to see the faces on characters and, and, um, and how, you know, he, he, he's improved with the shading and, and the perspective. And it's just, I, I love seeing the dude's growth in these 12. There's just something about these 12 issues. It's not just the story about this, this dude who escaped the psych ward. It's, 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 I really think of it as, as the whole package. It's, it's the character and it's, it's the creation of this comic and how we went from however many years it took to go from issue one to 12. But I don't know what the hell it is about the tick that I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by at least this first volume. I can't tell you Jack, (laughs) <laughs> about anything that 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 that's going on since, but there's just I, I it's there's just something about it. Why did Edlin stop doing it? Well, for one thing, um, it was you did get the um, in you had let's see because um, in I the mean, early nineties you had the cartoon and right. which which Edlin wrote. And co-produced, oh, so I okay. think I think it was just it, it was it was just he he was because this wasn't it, it was weird he he um he he was eighteen when he created it the first issue um has a cover date of like June nineteen eighty eight I think um and you go from I should have brought up comic book DB. Um, yeah, because third printing was June 1989, so it was a year later. And um, but I am pretty sure that there was just other things that right. um, 
that that that, that just because this isn't what he what he didn't want to be a comic book artist or, or creator. He he wanted to um, I don't know what the hell he went to college for, um, but there was um, there was a licensing involved with the tech for the toys things like that. Um, but sure, he, he got pulled into the business. Films. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, there, there's been many, many tick comics after yes. him, and oh. as, as we've seen from the Free Comic Book Day versions, some are much better than others. But I, I, I agree with you; none of them have that that spark that the original twelve issue run did, or the original no. run. It wasn't. Right. I don't. Th- I don't yeah. think he said it's going to be twelve issues, but no, definitely because I mean the 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 twelfth issue ends and and we're still you know we're we're still to be continued because when when you get to the end of the twelfth issue, the um the the page is basically um it's Tick and Arthur are on their way to um to stop the um the plan that Barry had set in motion. So, so they're on their way to fight the bad guys. And it's, um, you know, there's, 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 and, and the name, I, you know, I, the names of, of the characters are just, are, are, are fantastic. I mean, there's, um, you have, uh, Toon Law, not of this world, who basically just looks like a, a rock wearing a, surrounded by, Shingles. It's there's Mr. Tragedy, who's of course a um, uh, look like a sad clown. Uh, but yeah, there's there's um, the 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 terror is is Barry's arch enemy, and so Arthur and Tick are going to stop the um, the bad guys and and. The bad guys are there to, to, to set this this plan in motion, and they're lying in wait for Tick and Arthur to walk into this trap. And then it says, you know, next issue, Torah, 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 and and but there was no next issue. And so if the first issue comes out in June 1988 with a cover date. Um, second issue, September. Third issue, December. Fourth issue, April 1989. Fifth issue, August. Six comes out in November of 1989. Number seven, February of 1990. Then number eight, July. From July, issue nine comes out in March of 1991. Issue 10, October of 91. 11, August 92. Issue 12, May of 93. So we went from 1988 to 1993 for 12 issues. Yikes. So he definitely had other things going on. Sure. It happens. Yes. Somebody dangles that brass ring in front of you. You're going to make a certain amount of money from comics, but once your character explodes and you go into other um, types of media, I mean, it it happens all the time. Obviously. You know, even though he's the creator of the tick, obviously NEC owns it because he's they're still producing tick comics, and it's got nothing really to do with Ben. So, if if again if if he didn't want to create comics, if if he wanted to do film or television or things like that, because I see his name on other things, I, I see his name on TV from time to time. Um, I know he's worked on 
things I've seen. Um, he is his. Uh, he was a writer on Firefly. He was. Uh, he's done some supernatural episodes. He was. That's right. I saw his name on Gotham. On he, he wrote a couple of episodes of that. But um, you know, he may have wanted to do things uh, in in Hollywood. And you know, yeah, I'll do this comic because either out of obligation or because it paid some bills. But if if that was just and and again, you know, I, it's it's not like it, it's not like Hollywood. I don't know if the Venture Brothers or Joss Whedon with Angel was like, oh, this is the dude who did the tick. I need him to write some episodes. It's like, I think, I think the tick was just, it, it, I don't see the tick being the launch pad for him to do the things in Hollywood that he ended up doing. It's just, it, it would be like the job I have now, just because I worked at the deli counter didn't mean that that led me to this. Right. But it, I'm sure it opened some doors yes, in, yes, in terms yes, of yeah. recognition. Right. You know. Yeah, because at least he was made aware of. But right. yeah, so that's yeah that that was just that that was my walk down memory lane. Sweet, I love those things. We have them all. We do. Yeah. So you want to hear Vince catches up, uh, part two? Of course. All right. You talked about this book initially, and Jason's was like, "That's cool." Um. <laughs> And I read the first issue, but I, I instantly realized that I wanted to wait until it was all said and done and collected in a format that I can revisit. It's uh, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by one of the top talents working today, bar none. I think Riley Rosmo is up there at the the top of the heap for me visually i think the the man is is so far above most most illustrators um his work is just it's 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 butter it's gravy i love it um and the color art is by ivan placencia it's called deathbed published by vertigo it's a six issue series um as i said dap told you about it but maybe i'll i'll jog some of your memories um, it's the story of Antonio Luna. And contrary to what the people at Dos Equis would have you believe, Antonio Luna is the most interesting man in Indeed. the world. Yeah. Who unfortunately is dying. In quotes. And uh, he he has been searching for someone to chronicle his life story. Because it it happened that um, those associated with his life story are are being killed by someone. And so he brings in this um, extremely cute Valentine Richards. Oh, yeah. She's, she's so freaking cute. But yes, she, she is. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a more cartoony Rosmo. Whenever he draws her, she's more cartoony. Than, than he has been, um, that than he's known for. I mean, she's mm-hmm. very animated. She's 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 a little um, she's a little tiny bit pudgy, but it works for her. And she's she's uh, full breasted and wide hips, and she's just very animated and cute. And you just want to squeeze her, you know. Um, but um, Ms. Richards, unfortunately 
hit a home run first time at bat, and she's been living in the shadow of that for her entire life. Um, meaning that when she was very young, she wrote a story called Mr. Skies about a flying cat. And and I like how uh, Joshua Williamson um, hi- highlights the, the event by saying, yeah, it was in the papers and everything. You know, she, she, she was a, a young child. She wrote this story. It got some attention. And she never really stepped into the spotlight after that. She was afraid of never living up to that initial work. I mean, even though she was a child, it's, it's a ridiculous uh, stance to take. But not for her because, I mean, that was her. She got she got accolades and she was celebrated and then she never did anything else with her name on it. Because what she does is she's a ghostwriter. She's the mouthpiece for other entities other than, you know, herself. And and that's the thing. Antonia Luna asks her to, you know, hey, drop by. Uh, I'd like you to, to do my Chronicle of My Life story. It's very important because I've done a lot of things, a lot of crazy things, and uh, it needs to be documented. And uh, as he's telling her this, uh, the whole thing was a ruse. He's, he's not dying. He's just bored. Um, and, and he wanted to uh, get her to come to him in order to flush out the ne'er-do-wells that are destroying all the people involved in his mythology. And wouldn't you know it, into his room jumps um, a group of mummy assassins. And uh, he's like, I hope you brought your dancing shoes, motherfuckers. And he, he's naked and his dick is swinging all over the place. <laughs> and he's chopping these things down. And she's like, you know what? At the end of the issue, she's like, yeah, I I think I'll come along with you because this is this is kind of fun because she's lived she's lived a very uneventful, solitary, so to speak. I mean, there's a there's a a, a bunch of panels that illustrate all the one night stands she's had and, the you know, she likes to dance and she likes to drink and stuff. And she's a very ordinary life. Nothing like what this Antonio Luna has experienced. So she comes on board. She's like, OK. I'll do this. This seems all right. But she almost immediately begins to regret that decision because, how do I put it? Antonio's a bit um, infatuated with his, I mean, he, he's bought his own f- um, story. He's, he's, he's um, a larger-than-life character who's completely enveloped in, in what was, not what is. And he's a more than a bit egocentric and um that begins to 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 play on her and um it turns out that his his life story has inspired um a a church it's called the church of luna and there's these people that have hung on his every word way back when and then he just went away see that's the thing um luna does something and creates this huge mess, and then he just leaves and goes and does something else. But according to him, he's very good at whatever he did. You know, um, he's he's Tom Strong mixed with the Dos Equis guy. Uh, he's you know a little bit of Doc uh, Doc Savage in there. Like he's 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 a bombastic big character, and he's had these adventures and 
somebody's going out and, and trying to erase that from the annals of history. Why? Well, I won't reveal that because it would spoil the ending. But um, there is um, this character called Zarakiel. He, he's like a Egyptian kind of mummified assassin, and he's, he's part of the th- thing that is going around snuffing out um, Antonio's history. And there's a mummy motif in this book. There's mummy assassins early on. Uh, towards the end of the book, you get mummy werewolves on the moon. And I'm thinking, what the, what's with all the mummies? Like, there's this very prevalent mummy motif in this book. And then I thought about it for a little while. I'm like, holy shit. I see what Williamson's doing here. It, the mummy motif is actually very important to the story because what is a mummy? It's not a stupid question. What is a mummy? Well, it, it's an attempt by the living to preserve what was, right? You're taking this, this dead body and you're, you're doing all this stuff and then you're wrapping it and you're, you're trying to preserve this thing from being ravaged by time, for being, for, from being forgotten, right? And you're preserving what was for those that are and will be, in other words. You want to make sure that Tutankhamun is recognized by future generations. And in order to do that, you got to take steps to make sure that the body doesn't crumble, that the legacy doesn't go away. You, you document and you, 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 you embalm and you preserve and you're taking this mythology and and making it endure, right? Well, that's exactly what Luna's trying to do in this entire book. So the mummy motif is actually pretty freaking perfect conceptually in terms of the story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there, uh, Luna's getting up in age and he says he, he can feel death, um, you know, at nipping at his heels. And the thing that worries him the most is that he he thinks he's beginning to forget crucial aspects of his past. Like he, he finds the severed head in the, the ordeal with the Church of Luna. And uh, you read that issue, right? When the, the woman, the naked woman with the flowing thing around her and they, they bring them in and they, they're, they're saying, yes, in order for us to, to finally um, – be one with your teachings, we have to eat you. They're cannibals. Yes, 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 right. yes. And and then um, Zarakiel and his, the mummy assassins come in and they, they slaughter all of the uh, the Church of Luna, which kind of, it, 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 it breaks Luna in a sense because even though they were wackos and cannibals and wanted to eat them, um, they didn't, but they came to terms and now he had this, this surrogate family that he's never had and the one of the the big bad comes in and and kills him and it, it kind of breaks him in a way and it makes him start to to question himself and um he finds his severed head and he's like i i know this guy i've i've run it i can't i can't remember the name though like uh, where did i see this guy before so he, he starts to to wonder if he's not forgetting very important things so 
he and uh, Valentine travel to this underwater pleasure gardens of Wamba, and the the it's presided over by the the sisters of cognitive creation. This is very cool. It doesn't spoil anything, um, but they they they're they're very uh, fixated on birth, and so they have this this aquatic uh, inst- garden type thing that's has this algae in it and and the there's jellyfish this this very special kind of jellyfish that ate the algae and the algae has psychoactive effects so what he does is he immerses himself in the waters in order to be stung by the jellyfish so the algae that's coursing through the or the or the psychedelic aspects of the algae that's coursing through their bodies could trigger to give them visions and maybe unlock those doors to um the the cognitive aspects and and just reveal what he's forgetting right and then that goes down another road but the 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 visuals that Rosmo unleashes during this section are just amazing like the the dude is a he, he's a wizard Rosmo for me, he's like the guys working right now. I would say top three. I love Rosmo's work. Yeah, no, it's 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 unlike anything else on stands today. Sure, yeah, and um, he repeats spreads for 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 a reason. Like there's a there's a spread in the first issue where um, Valentine's walking through uh, Luna's home and there's giant portraits on the wall as the the steps as they're traversing this this these steps and the steps go down and then in the last issue he repeats it the steps go up in the last issue and the paintings are different and it's amazing and then there's the the place the shack where um luna was born there's a double page spread repeated three times over the course of the series, and each time the the setting is different. It's the same place. I shouldn't say the setting is different. The setting changes significantly, but it's the same structure of the place, the same viewpoint, and and it's just it's over a period of time. And Rosmos just he's ungodly how he does it. He's just I I, I love him and hate him at the same time because I wish I could be like the cult of the Church of Luna and eat him and get <laughs> all of his talent. But anyway, um, but it, it's just, I mean, the, the theme of the book is something that I think we all could at least resonate with is that, yes, we age and we don't want to just disappear when we die. We want something and I'm, I'm, I don't know, I, I shouldn't be speaking for everyone because everyone may not feel this way, but we, we just want to, to have some worth in our lives, that, that our existence on this mud ball amounted to something good, right? Mm-hmm. That, we've, that we've touched people in some way that made their existences better or, well, in Luna's case, he just wants, it's, it's more bravado, he's just puffing his chest out and saying, look at all the stuff that I did. But in the end of the book, it's more than that. Um, initially, that's what he wanted. But um, so it, it's on one hand, it's this just 
outrageous, ridiculous adventure with these two characters fighting wacky um, foes, um, mummy assassins and and, uh, mummy werewolves and giant friggin' I don't want to say it because David didn't read it, but it's it, it's 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 pretty outlandish. But on the other hand, it's a story that we can all embrace because it's it's we're all finite creatures, and and I think we all have a modicum of concern as to what's gonna how we'll be perceived after we're no longer here, and so it it the ending is is uncharacteristically touching based on what has come before like it it's it's pretty tongue-in-cheek the book up until a certain point i mean it's it's just it's it's um it's hilarious and it's just some parts are just good dumb fun but it's more than that and that's why it was so surprising that um i i didn't continue because when the first issue was as good as this first issue i should have stuck with it but I'm I'm a sucker for uh, the bookshelf, and I just wanted to wait it out. And I'm I'm sort of kind of glad I did because I got to, to read it all at once. If I had read this with a month gap between issues, it probably wouldn't have um, affected me as as much as it did. But I mean, being 53, that's a concern, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, I got. I, hopefully, I got a lot of time left, yeah. but. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, what do you do with your life? Do you, do you just go to work and come home and eat, watch a little bit of television, read a couple of comics, you know, lather, rinse, repeat, and maybe on the weekend you get to go to the fair or the flea market? Like, so or what? Right. What is this whole freaking thing about? Do we, do we just keep doing this routine out of inertia, or do you want to break with tradition and and uh, take a risk and make something out of your life. Like that's where I'm at right now. Like, what do you do? Right. And it, th- I think this book is just fascinating in that it works on one level. And then it, it's also a very important statement on, on a bunch of other levels. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, um, and you just love gorgeous jaw dropping, fascinating artwork, I suggest you pick up deathbed. Cause it's, uh, it's pretty damn amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will finish it. It, it. Like you said, reading it month to month, and then there, there's just it, there. It only takes one thing, and then it snowballs from there. You know, you're like, okay, well, that came out this week. I'll read it. Sure. As soon as I have a minute, and then the next week comes along, the life gets in the way. It, it, it always happens. But yeah, no, it, it's once once the fourth issue came out, and I, I said, all right. So I'll read it when the fifth issue comes out, and then by then I was just, and then I see the freaking hard, uh, I see the trade. I was like, okay, well, and I just, I definitely have to finish this. But no, I yeah. mean, it, it's me not finishing it isn't a sign that it didn't keep my interest because, man, she is. I, I think I think she's a vision, but yeah, and the way the way Riley draws her is, is fantastic. But um, yeah, and the first time we see her, she's on the pot. That's what, and and that's and and that led to Jason saying, "I'm a freak," but. Um, no, the way Rosmo draws her with the panties down around by the yep, the ankles—that was so. Yeah. Oh my it's, god, it's hot. I, I go to sleep smiling when I think of that page. Sure. But, um, no, I will definitely finish it because it was it, it. It's a damn entertaining read in between between the story that that Williamson's telling and 
and that Riley is is drawing it is is close to perfection. Yeah, and there's there's a uh, in in chronicling this person's adventures, there's there's a mythology built into the book, like they they go through his old uh, villains. So, uh, his old uh, acquaintances, one of which he was very enamored with, and um, they shared a, a bunch of event adventures. But then he, as he is wont to do, he goes away. And this little character bit, uh, he goes to this woman's funeral, Maggie Mars, uh, who, as I said, was very important to um, Mr. Luna. And at the funeral, he's basically talking about himself. You know, you're you're at this wake for the for this woman, and all and her family's there, and uh, he's he's like, yeah, we had a lot of good sex, and you know, um, we we had some adventures, and and he downplays the woman's role when, on the flip side, he really didn't matter in her life. Because while they did share some good times together, she went on to to be with someone else and have children and and the whole nine yards where he's a footnote in her life, not the other way around. And again, it just kind of knocks Luna down a few pegs. And he realizes that, you know, maybe I'm approaching this. Well, I don't want to go that far to say he he realized his mistakes, but he, he questions himself. And that's a big deal. With this character, mm-hmm. because he's he's very confident um, up until a certain point, but uh, Williamson just creates characters from from nothing. He's like the he knew a guy named Billy Batter and Mark Maxwell and and uh, Carson Crow, and they all end up very very dead because of their association with him. And he reveals that at the the uh, or is it uh, Valentine? No, Valentine reveals that at the 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 wake that the reason that this uh, Maggie Mars may be dead was probably because of him. Right, she was killed because of her association with him. Right, because, right. right, and it's just it's it's great stuff. It's 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 over the top action, but there's a lot more to the, to it than that. I am excited. Yes. Yeah. All right. You want to bring it on home, brother? We can bring it on home. Yay. All right, everybody. Hey, don't forget, discount comic book service can get you everything you want for a whole little tiny bit of money. It's it's just a no-brainer. If you buy a lot of comics, you should be using discount comic book service because they will just enable you to get even more dcbservice.com in your travels this is one of the sacred cows of late on uh, this show it is from Lion Forge I'm not going to get too detailed into it because I know Mr. Price has not read it it is Infinity 8 number 7 yes I have not which is the third iteration of of the timeline it's called part three the gospel according to emma and the uh the necro debris field is still a uh prominent uh feature in this series but this first 
well, I don't want to say first issue. This part of the timeline goes down very, very different than the first two. Um, shockingly so. It, uh, the story is by Louis Trondheim and Fabian Vellman. Dialogue continuity by Louis Trondheim. Art by Olivier Bellez. And it is unlike any of the arcs that has come before it. It's, it's very loose. It's very gestural. Um, it's a little bit Dino. Um, a little bit Darwin. Um, the lines are gritty um, and thick. Uh, the colors are beautiful. It's like a pastel-y kind of uh, earthy pastel kind of uh, look to it. But I, again, I don't want to spill the beans in saying that it's it's more visceral than the first two arcs so far. And surprising, okay. yeah, and very surprising. Um, I don't I don't think mean spirit is the 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 way to use because um, someone does something to uh, there's a chance that in the debris field is a a lost gospel and um, this this person who is a um, a Pax Tholmanist believes that this lost gospel can unite the religion. And so they, they go into the debris field in hopes of finding this thing. But the steps taken to get to the debris field are very shocking. And I'm just going to leave, leave it at that. So um, if you've read Infinity 8, you know what to expect in terms of the complexity of this story. But uh, this is volume three, number one, but it's really issue seven of Infinity 8 uh, from Lion Forge. I, I I really su- strongly suggest that you get in on this because it's just magnificent storytelling, breathtaking art, more of the same really, um, but in a in a roundabout way because the visual stylings are atypical to to the kind of illustration that had appeared in the first two issues. Not it's not it's not bad, it's not better, it's it's different. Okay. Yeah, it's very very good stuff. Infinity Eight. Nice. Yeah. Um, this is nothing new for me. Uh, um, I absolutely fell in love with the, with the last page of Superman number five. Um, Brian Michael Bendis, um, Yvonne Weiss, uh, Joe Prado, and Claire Albert on inks. Alex Sinclair on colors. We're still um, dealing with Rogozar in the Phantom Zone. Um, I chuckled at the end of the fourth issue because Adam Strange popped up where Earth should be and um, was basically just chilling, stranded out in space because it's like, uh, anybody here? And we get to the fifth issue and uh, we see Zod and Ursa and... um, and their son Lore and um Lore lets Zod know that Earth is missing, which causes Zod to 
head to where Earth would be. And he sees Adam Strange. And um, the Earth, a very small version of the Earth starts to appear. And it slowly is getting larger. And Leon's getting larger. And they get the... Uh, they're standing there as, as, as this, the Earth is expanding. And Adam Strange luckily... Um, ends up uh, laying across the top of the Daily Planet, the the globe part, the planet part of the Daily Planet building. Um, Zod makes his way to Adam Ray Palmer, asks him if um if that a fan, is that a Phantom Zone projector by your hand. Adam says, "Well, who, who may I ask is asking." I am Zod. Use that on me. Use it. And Adam zaps him. And he's like, well, yeah, that was the right thing to do, right? And and then next thing we know, um, we're in the Phantom Zone. Superman is having some inner conflict, some internal monologue, thinking about what he can do to, uh, like, it'd be very easy, he thinks. It'd be very easy for him to just eliminate completely eradicate rogos all from his life just he could do this and and you know not have to deal with it um but then of course he goes and remembers some of the teachings of his parents and realizes that um he can't do that basically this is a test and if tests were easy they wouldn't be tests and uh he he can't kill Rolgozar, so he decides to um, he, he he confronts him and he lets Rolgozar talk a little bit, just keep rambling on, and um, and Superman is basically you know he's he's ready to just kind of walk away from it, and and that's when. Um, well, that's when Zod shows up, and it looks intense. Next issue, issue number six is Zod versus Rogozar, and I, you know, it basically it looks like Zod will do what Superman won't. I'm not gonna say couldn't, but won't. And uh, um, I don't know what to expect with the next issue. I mean, yeah, you could think that Zod would kill. Czar, but I mean, why would you just introduce a character that you would just eliminate a couple months later? But we'll see. I just I want to see the battle. Um, but yeah, I, I I still think action is is the more funner of the two Superman books that Bendis is doing. But I think once we are done with this arc, and we can move on because I think I saw some of the ads in recent issues where John returns, and that's the next arc with issue seven. So we have to get through six and then the next arc begins. But, um, I, I have faith that Bendis will stick the landing with, with the first arc in Superman. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still getting a big kick out of, uh, out of reading Superman in action again. Nice. All right. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe Jason will be back next episode. 
I, I think he should be. I, I, I think it's in his contract. He, I mean, none of us can really miss more than two in a row. Well, Jason's the outlier in that respect. He could either buy himself out of the contract or just not follow it. <laughs> Whatever. Just not follow it. Yeah, just don't follow it. Uh, <sighs> but if, if you would like more adventures in 11 o'clock, please come to our Facebook group. We're always on there and always having fun. You could find us on the Twitter and the Patreon. Again, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash 110CLOCKCOMICS. You know the deal. And uh, you'll see all the fun we have in the meantime. Oh, woof. before you do that, uh, speaking of Patreons, uh, don't forget next, next week. Yeah, Jason has to come back because next week we will discuss the book of the month, which is voted on by the patrons. Is the goon volume one nothing but misery? The goon, nice. I think I'm going to be the the uh, the big praiser of that, and I think Jason's going to be like, "What? We'll see." I'm just ge- I'm just guessing. You're just taking a stab at that. Just guessing. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. So uh, again, thank you guys. We love you so much for being here. Again, um, Mister Three Twenty Two, big 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 thanks. For that coffee, if you come across any more coffee like that, let <laughs> let me know because uh, you know I'll make it worth your while, um, my everybody. My, yeah, everybody loves coffee. Yeah. Uh, so in the meantime, say good night. David. Oh, good night. <laughs> David. Yes. I, I couldn't do it. I tried. I, I, I tried to get the beginning, but. Oh, you did it good enough. And hey, tomorrow's the big day. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Eat as much as yes. you want because calories don't exist on Thanksgiving. That's right. If you want another slice of that America, pie. Oh, oh yeah. definitely. Everybody not in America, have a good Thursday. Sure. Yeah. But, but you know, we'll be but having. Those of us who are here, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Right. We'll be thinking about you. Be Enjoy safe. Enjoy time with your families. Yes. Go shopping if you need to, if you have to, if you want to. I know. Whatever. Just be happy. Be thankful. Give hugs for Christmas because they mean more. It's true. Especially yeah. from... True. All right, everybody. We love you. We'll be back. Thank you and good night. Peace out.